Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today, and hopefully, you're having a great week. It's going to be a beautiful day in sunny Wisconsin. Amen? No? You don't like this weather? Like, this is what heaven will feel like. It'll feel like Wisconsin. Amen? Can I get a witness? Oh, there it is. All right, here we go. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 15. And uh, we're going to kind of be in that entire chapter today, Exodus chapter 15. And um, we are talking this weekend about worship. Now, before we get into all of this, I, uh, I just want to say, for those of you that have been in church for a long time, you're going to have a tendency to kind of like check out for a minute and just kind of go, oh, I got this. I know what this is about. And, and I'm going to ask you to kind of engage yourself and maybe even just kind of ask yourself, hey, am I doing this? Uh, am I, is this, this, would this be descriptive, this message of my worship, my motive, my actions, my heart? Only you know that, you and the Lord. Uh, if you're new to Life Church, you may, this is maybe a completely different style of experience coming in in a room like this when there are, um, you know, there, there's a full band and, and, and it's more of a rock force style beat and the melodies are a little bit different and, and some of the responsive readings aren't there and some of the liturgy's not there and it just has a different feel to it. Um, maybe these are songs that you've never sung before and so this will kind of give you an insight into why we're doing what we're doing and the, the reason, the motivation behind that. Uh, whether you're looking for a new church you're looking, you're on a journey trying to seek your faith out and you're looking uh, and you're not yet a Christ follower. This kind of gives you the why behind what we do. What we've been doing for the last several moments as we've come in, that it's not just a placeholder to get you warmed up. It's not just something to kind of, it's not like the pre-act before the big act. And this is the, that's the warm-up act. Now here's the main act and let's get to it. Although we know God's word is the most preeminent thing that we do. But all of that flows out of God's word, even our worship time. And so it'll be helpful for you to understand that. But I encourage all of us today, this is something for all of us, whether you're a seeker and you're not yet come to a faith in Jesus Christ or you're a devoted Christ follower to kind of do a, a check. Now today, we're gonna look at the oldest worship song recorded in history. That's the reason why we're in Exodus chapter 15. And, and this worship song reminds us of who and how and why we worship. Warren Wiersbe, one of, one of the great theologians of our time, said this. He was quoting William Temple. He said, true biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. William Temple made this clear in his masterful definition of worship. And I quote, for worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It's the quickening of our conscience by his holiness the nourishment of our mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will, my will, to his purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfish emotion of which nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy for all that self-centeredness which is our original sin and the source of all actual sin. Worship. I love Temple's definition of worship. Little academic, a little deep, but man, you can swim in that for a while. You can think about that for a while. 
You see, as we read the book of Exodus, we see this love story between God and his children, the nation of Israel. God raises up a leader, Moses, who didn't want to be the leader, who didn't want to be the one that would bring the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery and on the road and on the journey to the promised land to fulfill what God had told Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis, that he would bless Abraham. He would make him a great nation, that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars of the sky or the sand of the sea. And through the journey, Israel finds himself involved in slavery in Egypt and bound. And again, all the Old Testament, it's more than just a historical document. It's Christ all in that. You and I find ourselves on our way to promise, but we find ourselves bound in sin and slavery, but God shows up. And that's exactly what happens. In the chapter 14, Israel exit, exits out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, across the, the, the Red Sea, onto dry ground. And then the armies of, of Egypt that come behind them to, to bring them back into captivity, God destroys them. And in chapter 15, Moses gives his response. So if you have your Bibles, again, Exodus chapter 15, Starting in verse number one, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. That's speaking of how God overtook the armies of Egypt as they were being drowned after they were in pursuit to bring Israel back into captivity. God destroyed them. Verse two, for the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation and this is my God, and I will praise him, and my Father's God, I will exalt him. And it goes on and on and on, and I'm going to kind of hit through some of this here in just a minute. But I just want to kind of begin right here. As you read the rest of this chapter, you see in, 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 in Exodus chapter 15, you see this whole story, this whole song of what God has done for the, for the nation of Israel, what he's done for his chosen people, what he's done for his children. And their response for God's blessing, God's, God's deliverance, God's redemption is song. Not too unlike us today. For every time we come together and every time that we sing, whether it's an old hymn of the church, whether it's a new song that we don't know, that's new words that are on a screen, we hear a, a song of praise and worship, maybe that's on, on, uh, uh, the, in, on the radio, or we, we're reminded that we are singing of God's praise and his glory and his triumph in our own lives. We worship him. So let me give you three statements about worship today. Number one, worship is not about me. It's all about God. Worship is not about me. It's all about God. I, I've been raised in church all of my life and I've heard people make this statement. You know, I didn't like that worship. That worship really isn't my style. I decided to go to a different church because I didn't like their worship. And it's interesting to me because it, it's almost like, you don't mean to be mean, but it's like, who asked you, right? Who, who consulted you? It, are we worshiping you? Are, are you God on the throne? No. Worship has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. There are many times that we will sing songs that maybe I like a different song or a different version or a different, and, and it resonates. There are some songs that resonate more with me than other songs. I was... Uh, 
was at a service not too long ago uh, with a group of ministers. And one of the older ministers in the church was leading, uh, in, this, in this setting, was leading, uh, leading uh, communion. And uh, he began to sing this song, this, I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme and glory to tell the wonderful story of my Savior's love for me. You may have never heard that song. Hymns of Glorious Praise, page 123. It took me back to a place and to a time. It took me back to my grandparents' church. It resonated. Man, did it resonate in my heart and my spirit. And I'm looking around and no one else is quite as moved as I am, but it just took me to a place. It was worship. It wasn't about me, it was about God, but it resonated with me. There's other times I'm in settings and, and services and maybe there's a new song that we do at Life Church, and it's not really my cup of tea. It's not really my style. It's, again, if we did church the way I did it, it would be a little bit different. But it's not about me. And so I have to begin to think, it's not about this melody, it's not about this style, it's not about this timing, it's not about this time signature, it's not about this cadence, it's not about, it's about, am I giving worship and praise to God? Because that's what it's about. And I challenge you to think about that just for a minute. Because there are going to be songs that we sing at Life Church that don't really resonate with you. There are going to be songs that, we, that do resonate with you. There's going to be songs that may feel like it resonates with everybody else but not with you. But it's not about you and it's not about them and it's not about us. It's about him. In the Old Testament, the word shaka, which is the Hebrew word for worship, which means to bow down before God. It's a picture of humility before Yahweh. That's how the Old Testament describes worship. That our hearts, that our attitudes, not just our physical uh, outward posture, but our internal how we do should be completely humble before the Lord. Palms up. God, this is all about you. This is all about you. This, this is not about me. This is not about my week. This is not about my needs. This is not about what's in front of me. This is not about my mood. This is not about my attitude. This is not about the allergies that I'm dealing with today. And that's why I'm drinking hot tea. It's not about any of that. It's about you, God. And so humbly, I come into your presence. And humbly, I come in. And whatever we're gonna sing, I'm gonna sing it with all of my might. Because the Bible says, even make a joyful noise into the Lord. And some of you are way more noisy than melodious, amen? I hear you. You get to the, to the New Testament, the Greek word, which is pros, proskuno, which means to encounter God and to praise him. It's the word that's most commonly used in the New Testament. To encounter God and to praise him. Every time we see people encountering a holy God, we see a response. And that typical response is to worship, is to praise because worship is not about the song. It's not about the melody. I would encourage you. It's not about what, are they singing your favorite song or are they not? Are they singing the way you like it or are they not? Are, are, it's not about that. It's not about me or my feelings. Can I tell you there are times that you're going to come into church and you're not going to feel like worshiping. You're not going to feel like singing a song. You're not, everything inside of you is going to be counterintuitive to what you're being asked to do. But it's not about you. So it's about him. 
Worship is about God. It's not about me. It's not about the leader or the musician. How many times do we get hung up because it's either poor quality of worship, which again, we try really hard at Life Church to make sure that we're excellent. And, and because I'm not on the stage, let me say this, that these men and women that are leading up here are amazing. And these voices, I am amazed every weekend at just how all the talent and the ability, and not just at one campus, but at the Brookfield campus and at the Milwaukee campus and at the Appleton campus, you drop in on any campus on any given weekend and, and, every, and, and, and the, oh, the musicians and the singers and the leaders are just so full of the Holy Spirit and are so naturally gifted. But when God puts his super onto their natural, wow, does God show up. But it's not about the leader. It's not about the musician. I would challenge you, if you're going to church today and you are judging the quality of the church by the worship, you're doing the wrong thing. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. You want God to show up powerfully? Make it about him. You want God to do miracle signs and wonders among you? Make it about him. You want God to, to begin to move, not in just in your life, but in your kid's life in the second and the third generation? Make it about Jesus. You want to see the church full and vibrant and overflowing? Make it about him. Because the Bible says, God describes of himself, I am the Lord your God, and I have no other gods before me. I am a jealous God, says the Lord. It's all about me, God says. The Bible likens God unto the Father. Can you imagine as a parent, how good does it make you feel when your kids brag on you? I know it doesn't happen often, I get it. Especially if you have teenagers. Amen. But when they began to tell of how great and awesome and you get to listen without them knowing. <sighs> I'm telling you, it makes me know I can beat up that other kid's dad. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I am that strong. Timmy, if you see this right here, I, I, oh, yeah. The same way, when you and I as his children come in, and it's not about us, and it's not about what's happening on the platform. It's about him. God shows up. Quit looking for a building or a group of people or a worship service to connect with God. Where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is, Matthew 18, 19 says. And all he needs you and I to do for him to show up is to praise his name. Worship is all about God, not about us. Secondly, worship requires a faith-filled response. Worship requires a faith-filled response. I worship God, not because I, <coughs> excuse me, feel like it, but because that's what he asked of me. So there are times, probably more times than what I'd like to admit, that I come into a weekend worship service or I come into a worship gathering or I come into a prayer time. And it's very interesting how Jesus says, when the disciples ask him how to pray, to begin the prayer and to end the prayer with worship, with praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done as earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily earth, gives us our death, and leave us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Begin and end with praise. Isn't that interesting? Twice as much praise over forgiveness of sins. Twice as much praise over, 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 over prayer for temptation. Twice as much praise over God's will in our life. We like, we like the middle part. It's kind of like the Oreo. Man, we, we, we like the stuff in the middle. We want the double stuff. But God doesn't do it that way. God gives you twice as much cookie and half the cream. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody getting hungry this morning? Because the deal is God inhabits the praises of his people. And that stuff in the middle, his kingdom come, his will be done, overcome temptation and forgive us. Those are all important things. But it will be accomplished in our life if we'll just keep our eyes upon Jesus. If we'll keep our focus upon him. And so my, my worship is not about my feeling. Do I feel like singing today? Do I feel like being responsive today? Do I, do I, no, it's faith. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, speaking things that are not as though they are. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and following. How many times do I come in and my expression of worship, whether it's hands lifted, hands being clapped, whether it's, it's concentrating and focusing, it all depends upon my emotional state. Where I'm not led by my emotions. That's my flesh. I'm led by the spirit, which is of faith. I know this is much easier to preach than it is to live. But that's what worship requires. It requires me to get beyond myself, to get beyond my week, to get beyond my problems, to get beyond everything else and to focus on him. To focus on him. I'm reading a book right now and uh, it's talking about waiting on God. And it's talking about trusting God with things that you have no control over. And he goes back into the life of Job in this particular portion, which is not a book I like to read a whole lot about because Job is a lot about hardship. But the, the author makes this statement. He makes a statement that he says, the truth of the matter is, is that God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We love when God gives to us, but when God takes from us, and make no mistake, everything that happens on this planet is beyond our maybe mental and emotional ca capability and pay grade of understanding, but God's in control and that God, nothing happens in this world without God's consent and nothing's taken from us without God's consent. So God is either in control of all of it or he's in control of none of it. And it's in those moments, not when God fills me, but when God takes from me, that my trust that's when it's tested. And at that moment, I have to either believe that God providentially is in control or he's not. And if he's not, then who is? And so in order for me to worship during hardship and to worship during times of, of, of depression and to worship during times where I don't feel like it requires me to trust that God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, Again, there's worship that Job even gives in the middle of his suffering. How do you do that? Because it's not based upon feeling or emotion or response of, of, of a human kind, but rather it's the power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us. It's the spirit of the Holy Spirit that, that speaks through us. As the book of Romans would say, even in times when we don't have the words to, to utter, it's those groanings that cannot be uttered. It's the worship and the praise because I know that God's on the throne. And I have to go back to, amen, I have to go back to his word and lean so heavily on his word that if it were to move, I would fall. 
Why? Because worship requires my faith. It requires me to trust. It requires me to check myself. And I get it. I'm a type A person. I'm a, hey God, why don't you just take care of this and let me take care of that? None of you are like that in this room, I'm sure. Or, hey, God, why don't you do this this way? If you would do this this way, it'd be much better. Or, God, why am I going through this? And there are questions this side of eternity we don't have answers to. So we have a choice. Are we going to operate in faith, which is much easier said than done, and trust? And in the middle of our loss and sorrow and depression, Are we going to have a faith-filled response, whether God gives or he blesses? I mean, whether God gives or he takes away, blessed be his name. Most of the time, worship in scripture is accompanied with singing. I just wanna read these verses for you. Psalm 95, one and two. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Isaiah chapter 12, verses five and six says, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let, let this be made known all the earth. Shout and sing, O joy, O inhabitant of Zion. That's the city of God. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter five, verse 19 says, we should be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing praises unto the Lord. There are over 50 direct commands to sing to God. The longest book in the Bible, Psalms, is an entire book of songs. You ever thought about that? This is a big deal. We don't do praise and worship to warm you up on a weekend or to fill time or to fill space or to have an entertainment showcase. God puts big emphasis on this. Worship requires a faith-filled response. And the last thing is we worship God because God is worthy of our worship. We worship God because God is worthy of our worship. I don't have time today to to go through and read the rest of this passage, but I would encourage you to read this entire song that Moses sings of victory and declaration unto the Lord. But as you read it, you're going to see that he begins to speak of the character of God. He sings of God's character. Verse two, he says that God is my strength and my song. Regardless what I'm going through, regardless where I'm at, God is my strength. Regardless what's in front of me, regardless what's behind me, he is my strength. And so as I worship him and I sing these songs of worship, I do so declaring that he is my strength. Sometimes that's making my own physical, mental, personal soul come in alignment with what his word says. Because sometimes I don't feel this. But I declare it because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I speak things that are not as though they are because that's what God's word says. And so I, I declare that God is my strength. 
He goes on in verse two to says that God is my salvation. Not just my salvation for the sweet by and by, but in that moment, he had just literally led three million Israelites across on dry ground. And when the enemies came in after them, when their warriors came in to destroy them, what did God do? He allowed the waters that he had parted to overtake them and they drowned and God saved Israel once again. Why do we need to know that? Why is that important to us? Because God's the same yes today, yesterday, and forever. And whatever enemy is pursuing you, whatever ill is pursuing you, whatever thing is chasing after your heart, whatever depression is looming, whatever evil is coming after you, whatever's coming after your family, whatever's coming after your business or your finances or whatever it is that you're worried about, you need to know that God has your back. He will be your salvation if you will but look to him. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Verse three says, he's our warrior. Now I know some of you, you, you really have a hard time about some of the blood and the, the violence in the Old Testament. And, and I don't have time to unpack that theologically. Some people like to explain it away that it's just more like it's, it's, it's mythological. It's more that, no, 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 no. It's like, there, there's intel and information that I've gotten from the missions community this weekend of missionaries in the church that's in Afghanistan that are huddled and that are praying. And we're beginning to get reports of, of God showing up in supernatural ways where there's like angelic beings and things that are happening and supernatural protections that's happening. See, it's in those moments where you're like, oh God, I need you now in this moment. And the Bible says, and God begins to raise up protection and God begins to protect his saints and God begins to do, and God does some supernatural things. And that moment, I need more than just a peacemaker. I need more than just, just somebody in the sweet by and by. I need a warrior that will come in in that moment, in that instance, and protect me and protect my family and bring me to safety. That's what God is, man. He's powerful, the Bible says in verse six and verse seven. He's all powerful. There is no other power to offset him. This isn't like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, right? There is no opposite. God, is, God has no equal. He has no rival. That's the reason why when the very name of Jesus is uttered, every demon in hell trembles because it's at the mention of his name that salvation comes. He's all powerful. Whatever's happening in your world, he's able to help you. Whatever issue that you're dealing with, he's, help, he's able to help you overcome it. Whatever's going on, he's able to show up in that moment. Verse 11 says, he's holy. God is set apart. He is pure. He is beyond us. He is holy. And, and, and you go, well, that's, all, that's great and everything, but what difference does that make to me? Think about the, the image of a holy God who loves you and I so much that according to, the, to, to Psalm chapter 22, verse three, that he lives, he dwells in the praises of unclean, unholy people. The Bible says he dwells in the praises of his people. Why would a holy God taint himself with us? Oh, but he does. Think about that for a moment. And he who knew no sin became sin for us and died on the cross and rose from the grave so that you and I could have life. God did that for you. God did that for me. He's the only one that could. And his holiness doesn't separate 
you and I. It's like the father of the prodigal that Jesus tells a story when he sees his son who is dirty and living in his sin a long way off, the Bible says, and he runs to him and he grabs him and he holds him and he cleanses him and he changes him and he puts a new robe on his back. He puts a new ring on his hand, meaning he's a part of the family. He puts shoes on his feet and he restores him to the sonship that he was designed to be. Why would a holy God do that? Because it's the heart of a father that loves his children. That doesn't matter how far they go. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how much they heisman against God. He stands there in love and in purity and in holiness and he restores us. Wow. Amen. Verse 13 says that God loves his people. Man, there's something about the love of God that's beyond me. I don't know how God could love me at times for things that I do. I don't know how God could love you sometimes. Have you ever thought about that? But yet he does. It's beyond me. I love that little word, so, S-O. In John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world. That word so means without strings and without condition. I don't have the ability to love that way. I have the ability to remember everything you've done wrong to me. I have strings and conditions. If you're nice to me, I'll buy your lunch. If you're not, I don't even want to see you. Amen? Right? Are we on the same page? But not God. Even in our sin, even in our rejection, He loved us. And verse 18 says, and the God that we serve will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. His kingdom will have no end. So today we worship not for our benefit, but for God's. We worship not for us, but for him. And we focus not on ourselves, but on him. And when we lift high God, he brings us up with him. That's the power of worship. It's not just emotion. That's part of it. Why? Because you're an emotional being. But don't check your brains at the door on that. It's more than emotion. I'm more than just an emotional being. I'm a soul that will live forever. And there's something in that moment, that sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, that an infinite God connects to me and my soul that brings wholeness and life and peace that passes understanding and joy that goes beyond any pursuit of happiness. See, we leave our worship higher and better and stronger than when we began. The choice is not about the choice of song or the style or the audio level or the quality. It's about my heart. If I choose to go into a worship set, worship service, and I began to sing with a heart that's before the Lord, man, heaven comes down and glory fills my heart and my soul. And I have strength to live another day. Don't forget that God dwells in the very presence and the praises of his people. That's why it's so important that when we come together, we sing worship and praise unto the Lord. Or two or more are gathered together in his name. I already quoted that, but there he is in the midst. God shows up. When we begin to praise him, he shows up. 
Why is it important that he shows up? Because when he shows up, he changes us. He walks with us. Even in the Old Testament, we see the tribe of Judah, there are 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah, Judah means praise. And every time that God would send the warriors into battle, before the warriors would go in to defeat the enemy, God would send the tribe of Judah, the worship first. Look at it, it's in scripture. And every time they would praise and extol the glory and the worship of God, they would win. And every time they went, this is a little goofy, nobody else does this, they would lose. And they figured out when we do it God's way, it works. When we do it our way, it doesn't work. And sometimes God's ways are different than our ways, amen? Sometimes God's ways are a little bit, they may not be completely understood on the outside, but they work every single time. Even the Old Testament, when, when, when they go and, and as after Exodus chapter 15 and they began to, to make this tent of meeting where God's going to be and they, they're just nomadic people for the next 40 years until they, until they occupy the promised land. On that journey, every single time they moved the tent, every time they moved on the journey, they, they would send praise first. They would worship the Lord first before they ever made a move, before they ever did anything. They would begin to worship God and praise God and the Bible is filled with the songs that they would sing. So whatever battle you're facing today, send praise first. Whatever movement that's happening in your life, sing praise first. Sing, sing that praise first and allow God to show up in that midst. Now, here's what I want to do today. The worship team's going to come out in just a minute. And, and at Brookfield, the worship team's going to make their way. And, and that's going to begin to happen. And, and at our campuses, that's going to begin to happen at Appleton and Milwaukee. And, and the worship team's going to begin to prepare themselves. And we're going to sing one chorus again, one song again. And here's what I want to do today. Before the campus pastor comes and dismisses us and we're done for the service for the day, what I wanna do is I wanna ask you to move beyond the, the melody, move beyond the quality, move beyond the volume. If it's too loud or too quiet, it's relatively too quiet. Welcome to Life Church. Move beyond all of that and focus on what you're singing and to whom you're singing it to. Go beyond this past week. Go beyond how you feel right here and now. Go beyond what's ahead of you this next week. And allow God to show up in this moment. Worship him with spirit and truth in this moment. And, I, and you go, man, that's a pretty big deal, Aaron, because what happens if I don't feel anything? Well, I'm not saying you're gonna feel this or you're gonna feel that. But what I am saying is, is that God's word is not going to return void and that God's going to be glorified and that you're gonna sense the presence of the Holy Spirit and God's going to give you strength in your journey and in your life. This is why some people lift their hands. This is why some people clap. This is why some people cry. Is there anything more holy or unholy about that? No, 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 no. Posture is not what's important, it's my heart. Again, I say this all the time. If you can go to a Packer game and not raise your hand or clap, Great, that was a great win. That was a great touchdown. They just won the Super Bowl. That's awesome. If that's what you do, then fine, just do that in church. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching. Good. Hit a nerve on that one. My God. All right. But you're talking about the one who saved your soul. Not just who scored a point, who made a touchdown. You're talking about the one who provides 
He's the air that we breathe. He's the oxygen in our life. How can we not but come in and give him worship and give him praise? Amen. Move beyond. Focus. I'm going to pray. Worship teams are going to come out. And uh, you respond how you want to. But I'm telling you today, I'm talking about this value. Because I think in the season that we're in, this is what we need to focus on as we come together. This time of worship. Not about me, it's about Him. It's about giving Him praise. It's about extolling Him. It's about lifting Him high and then trusting Him. Much easier said than done. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit that I sense that's in this place. And I just pray, Father, in these next few moments that you would help us move beyond where we are to where you want us to be. Lord, your word says, and I remind you of this, that you dwell, that you inhabit in the praises of your people. So as we praise you, Lord, and we lift high your name in these next few moments, I pray that your Holy Spirit, which I know is here, God, but I pray it be manifest in our lives. Lord, you know people that are suffering with depression, people that are suffering with loneliness, people that are suffering with anxiety, people that are, are just, they, they feel numb right now. Lord, I just pray go beyond our human emotion and feeling and touch to our very spirit to the core of who we are. God, as we lift high your name, I pray, God that, that, God, that the battles that are in front of us, God, that you will overtake them and that you will win them because we choose to lead with worship. We choose to lead with praise and we choose to trust in you. That's the ultimate part of it. God, we know that you give and that you take away. But today, regardless whether we are, are, are abounding or we are abased, God, we trust in you and we stand here today, God, with hands lifted high, with hearts that are open, and we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Not because of how we feel, not because of what we've been through, not because of what's in front of us, but because of who you are. Lord, for you are all powerful. You are almighty. You are the everlasting father, the soon coming king. You are the one who the prophet spoke of in the Old Testament. You are the one who came and gave us life and life to the fullest. You are the one who is coming back for us. You are our hope. You are redemption and our glory. And we give you praise today. God, we don't need a song to do that. We don't need a, a pastor to teach us. We know in our very heart of hearts, God, that that's who you are. And we choose this moment and we choose this day beyond our emotion and beyond the state of who we are to worship you. Let you be glorified in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.